0: Welcome to The Writer's Room, where funny writers who sit in funny rooms and write funny words for other people finally get to talk. Here's your host, me, Jeff Cicero. Let me tell you, folks, uh, you've never seen or heard anything like this, and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. Uh, Today on The Writer's Room, (laughs) the amazing Bill Schaft, what a career, Uh, both uh, uh, television, books, everything. He's done it all. And he's walking the picket line in New York city for the writers guild strike. Bill, let's start with this. Where are you?
1: You are looking live (laughs) at Keene (laughs) state college in union, New Jersey, where uh, I'm part of the, um, what do they call us? We're like the seal team six of the picket line where they tell me where to go. And I go, there's a big rally in Manhattan uh, against Amazon prime. Uh, I don't know why. You know, I like them. You know, if you need, you know, if you need, let's say, stool softeners overnight, Damn. they're Damn. your people. They're your people. <laughs> they're there. If you need stool softeners and you want to see they drive at night, the classic film noir. You know, while you're waiting for the at <laughs> the work. You know. So yes. That's that's the big rally today. But I was called, and if we swing it around, you'll see. Uh, my people over there and yeah. what they are, they're just trying to get cars to honk
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we're near the set of a Ryan Murphy show, another Ryan Murphy show. I think this one is I invented gay people. I think this series is, <laughs> is, that and, it is? Um, set. Yeah. Set in union, New Jersey. <laughs> I believe it back then it was known as civil union, New Jersey. Thank you. But, um, <laughs> so basically uh because we can't make noise and chant so what we do is we try to get the the passing cars to honk and they're they're pretty good they like doing that in New Jersey they're used to doing that in New Jersey and yeah. it's um so we're here and um, basically now here's a couple of guys from the guild bringing bringing I hope snacks and people I've never seen in my life but that's um <laughs> that's
0: often that's often a picket line. line. It's people you've never <laughs> seen before in your life.
1: <laughs> but I have, I have, I want to go right to my favorite, favorite story from the strike. And it was, I would say it was uh, month one, let's say week four, and we're picketing in the morning in Times Square out in front of um, Disney. And I see a guy that looks familiar, and it's a guy you know, and uh, I started out with him as to stand up like thirty-five years ago, Bill Masters, and he went on yeah. to have a very a lovely television and movie career. And you know the great thing, and you'll attest to this, when you run to somebody you haven't seen for years and decades, you just get the best of. You get the you get the very good clip reel from. Yeah,
0: and we're with going the back
1: and. Yeah, we're going back and forth telling stories, and we get we start talking about the 2007 strike and he tells me this beauty now as you know you were out there at at the beginning of the 2007 strike radford was the place to be Mm. it was the place to be place to get your picture taken jay leno would show up and pass out donuts let me just
0: say radford was so good that the east gate of radford was hot for celebrities, <laughs> <laughs> the one that faced the jujitsu place and the, the river—that game is still Yeah,
1: yeah, that. And uh, so uh, Bill Masters is walking the picket line, and it was it was a place, a big photo op place. And so Masters is walking the picket line with a buddy of his, comic writer, and on they see on the picket line, 2007, then unknown. Gavin Newsom with his then unknown wife, Kimberly Guilfoyle. So Master's friend says to Master's, who is that guy over there? And Masters says, well, that's Gavin Newsom, mayor of San Francisco. And the other guy says, on what show? <laughs> that's, that's really all you need to know about striking writers and oh. <laughs> what they care about. Yeah.
0: That is beautiful. Uh, Yeah. um, There's so many uh, issues floating around strike. As creativity develops or unwinds, whichever your opinion might be, we keep having more and more issues. But it kind of boils down to, could you just pay us, instead of having a $49 million parachute, for the guy who screwed everything up
1: <laughs> that's kind right of, that what a boy right, right that's you know yeah no no guy goes to law school and then joins a firm so the guy at the firm says uh listen here's what it is you're gonna work uh, five months you'll do 10 months worth of work in five months and you know you won't quite have enough to qualify for healthcare or anything but you know you'll you'll still be a lawyer how's that can you work with that <laughs> and that's what it's become it's just the uberization of writing and for no other reason than you know i mean how many yachts can you water ski behind yeah. and that's the thing because they're not Because the the people that we're fighting against, they're not in the entertainment business. You know, Netflix is not an entertainment company. You know, they're they're like it's like UPS. I mean, they're just sort of a shipping company.
0: Right. Well, you alluded to it earlier with Amazon Prime. Uh, We all use elements of these services. But once or twice a year when they have the big boardroom meeting and they go around the table and they go. How did the delivery service do? And the guy stands up and he goes, oh, we made $7 billion. And then they go, and how did the food segment of the uh, corporation do? And the guy says, well, we made $3.5 million. And then they go, how did the showbiz, uh, how did the shows do? And he go, we lost $3 million. Get him out of here. Get him. Right. He's gone. Get a guy in who can make money in that, ta- in that chair.
1: Right. And that's the, you know, the difference between – and, 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 you know, you and I, in our background in sports, you know, the difference between sports and, and entertainment, I always talk about this, you know, when the Giants signed Barry Bonds, let's just say for round numbers, 10 years at a hundred million. If at the end of the, those 10 years, if the Giants had made a hundred and one million, they would have been thrilled. They right. would have been thrilled to get there for, for that, for the people that he brought in and for that but you know you and i worked for people if if they were getting paid 20 million well, you you better be making 200 million for the people you right. know and that's that's the difference that's the difference
0: yeah and, and uh structurally there is no real uh salary cap or uh any of the <laughs> players association a hard won bargaining chips. So in other words, you know, Ryan Murphy will still make two hundred million, but he will not necessarily drag Buddy Bianca along behind him.
1: That's that's right. No, that's right. There's nobody, there's no
0: catcher who's got four years left, who's third string and just catches the knuckleballer, who's still able to make a living wage. That that isn't necessarily happening in showbiz
1: right it's not and, and they're not all they they're you know the worst word is content you know it used to be there used to be shows now they're content and i worked on i'm not proud of this but during the pandemic i worked on a show for netflix and the show turned out to be it was like the most popular show on netflix because kids and parents could watch it and It was 10 episodes, and it was, of course, it was very cheap. And all I thought of is, okay, well, when it gets picked up, which it has to, maybe I can jack it up to just insulting money rather than beyond insulting money. And the show never got picked up for a second season because they ran You know, they ran the numbers and everybody that had wanted to watch the show had watched the show and there wasn't going to be a pandemic in a year. It's like the old thing about uh, about uh, uh, golf equipment. You know, when everybody in your foursome has the new Big Bertha, you've got nobody to sell to in that foursome. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's the exact same thing.
0: That is so weird. Yeah, the business <laughs> schematic has changed. And from a creative standpoint, we understand that the platform delivery systems have changed. That nowadays, if you could hit 540,000 people, but they're the right 540,000 people, everybody's happy. The wallets are open. The... uh the uh, bullet blender is selling. Everything's working for that specific demographic. We get that, even though it doesn't make sense in our DNA. Because if you, when we were doing it, if you didn't have fifteen million people watching your show, you were just flushed right out the bottom.
1: Well, well, nowadays, at the totally Writers Guild a- yeah, at the at the Writers Guild Awards, the last one, uh, Paul Sims, who you and I know was a colleague mm-hmm. of mine on Letterman, and had a great career and he got the the Herb Sargent um, lifetime achievement award and Donald Glover was one of the presenters and Donald Glover was so great i mean funny like a comic Donald and Donald Glover talked about news radio getting canceled after you know a disappointing eight seasons 81 episodes and an <laughs> embarrassing 12 million people viewing every week you know <laughs> And then he said, you know, Atlanta, we got 400,000 for our first show and the champagne was popping. Yeah, because it was the right 400,000. Right. Right. So,
0: interestingly, I think creative people can adjust to that. What's going to be difficult to adjust to is what you just alluded to from the business side of it, not only. Are the conglomerates getting bigger and servicing so many aspects of our lives other than entertainment? But they've already shifted from shows to content. So it's just something else you put in a box, seal up, and mail to somebody. (laughs) It doesn't matter to them anymore what goes in the box. It could be be a show. They don't
1: care my old boss, Dave Letterman talked about this 30 years ago. And, you know, I just thought he was doing a bit about, um, you know, GE and them just shut it. You know, we're not as uh, profitable as the ball bearing plant of GE. Right. It, it, like, well, yeah. You oh, know, I get why you said that. You said that so you could say ball bearing. No, he said that because he was making a point. And that's that's what this was. And um, you know, I mean I don't I don't know. I mean I really feel like this is kind of the fight for our lives. I mean, I think that luckily, you know, the, the union is so strong and luckily in the last two uh, collective bargaining agreements we shored up health care and pension as we had to. So we can, you know, we can afford to put a flag in the sand on this one because it it, it has to be, it has to be a humane living to be a writer. It just, it just can't be, uh, you know, Ron Zimmerman, the late Ron Zimmerman used to do a joke about how um, Robert De Niro shot and killed Anson Williams at a hollywood party when anson williams said oh you're an actor like me it's not it's got to be a li- <laughs> little got to aim a little higher
0: <laughs> yeah it's so great uh, and the strength that i think that uh, the wga has right now is the entertainment unions tend to stick together because they are at least minimally bright enough to see, oh, if they're yanking the rug out from under them, they are just going to roll us up in it and dump us off Mulholland. That's what the actors are thinking. You know, that's what the other unions are thinking. They know, okay, this has always been a very simple row of 10 dominoes. And if they knock the first one down... (laughs) We don't have time to stop at domino four. Everybody's going down.
1: Right. And I think that what's going to happen, I mean, the good thing about this strike was unlike the pattern bargaining in the past where the directors would go first and, you know, the director's guilt through no fault of their own and some fault of their own, not as strong a union as, as the writers, not as strong a union as SAG. So they would tend to settle quickly and then the producers would have this sort of foothold and we would kind of have to line up but but luckily that wasn't the case and even though the directors did settle they just kind of settled out of turn and that's fine and I think that SAG I think they'll go out but not for long because I think it's just such a bad look for the producers to have yeah. people you recognize you know that what show is the mayor of San Francisco on uh, yeah. to have those people out so I think they'll be out a couple of weeks. I think it'll make an impact. I think they'll settle with them but then it, it kind of creates this thing with where the producers can say, look we were we were reasonable. we we got the directors we got sag. It's these greedy writers that want to work more than four months a year and need more than three jobs to make the living they were making for making one job. You know, right. so we'll see. And then, of course, always with AI, it's, uh, well, you know, if you boys don't want to work, I got these robots ready to go. <laughs> got, got J.D. Spradlin, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Bringing out the, the great robot.
0: character actor who played yeah. every single every coach, different villain yeah. in history.
1: <laughs> every villain coach in history. Yeah.
0: and And with somehow with the vaguest of Southern accents. I don't know yeah. how he did it. He threaded a needle there that Dan Marino would be proud of with that. Accent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He was, no, he was very good. I mean, he was great in North Dallas 40. He was great in uh one-on-one with, uh, with Robbie Benson. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was very underrated, very underrated uh, sports movie. Yeah.
0: And you pick it. Here's sadly. the, here's what's, um, uh, what's interesting about sag jumping in, which hopefully they probably will, is that you know the coin of the realm is fame, not that it always hasn't been it's usually fame that's what uh eventually wins out, but now more so than ever and I think when you get sag in the famous actors are faces people have seen in the general public, and then they go okay something's cracked something's got to give i don't want to lose my show as everything else is going to hell i gotta at least come home and be able to see some fun um famous writers on the other hand tend no. to be, be people that if they break through to the public eye people go well how did that guy get i look right. like him why him why not me yeah exactly so there's not quite the soft landing place
1: (laughs) that celebrity actors have it
0: it's not as good a look
1: yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) the other thing that that worries me is the fact that um being as as old as i am the you know you know it's it's over for me you know you're working for future generations but when i think about it my anecdotal evidence is that nobody under forty watches television as a thing or goes to the movies as a thing, and the um, the phone has turned every all of us into narcissists. So, yeah, you say yeah, that's a very successful truck. Oh, the trucks are beeping. Um, so you can say, hey, look at this look at this TikTok video I made of myself. That's all the entertainment I'm ever going to (laughs) need. What do I, what do I need? You know, it's like the three stooges. What do we need with a dentist? You know, just here's, here's a door handle. Get these flyers, get this doorknob. Sure.
0: Here's an anchor. We, and here's a cliff. We got your tooth. We got it figured (laughs) out. Well, that's an interesting uh, point as well, is where is entertainment going? And can it sustain, in some sense, uh, drama and comedy, just the notion of half-hour shows? I think it can. I think it will. And I think we're going to come through the looking glass to the other where you're going to see a reestablishment of form, of longer-form stuff. And the reason I think that is because... I think we've weathered the worst of the eight-second video. You know, I oh, think I, we, I think I, we've I gotten agree. through some of that to a point where people are going, okay, uh, the guy on the skateboard with the whatever that was, Dr. That was the peak. That was the peak. Nobody's stopping yeah. that guy. You're not – you can – you can skateboard with a different soda all you want. Right. It's right. not yeah. going to work. I've
1: seen enough people hitting the nuts to last me, <laughs> you know. And, and I've, I've got a nut allergy now off of that. But but yeah. the, the other thing is, and I sort of noticed this a few years ago, where everything was, no video could be longer than 45 seconds. No mm-hmm. article could be longer than 200 words. No post. And, and then all of a sudden, you had these podcasts that were like an hour and a half, or just like all of a sudden, people got nothing but time. People yeah, people got nothing but <laughs> it's like what happened to you know? All of a sudden, the horizon became what the what the horizon became.
0: Yeah, which is uh, you know, how come I have to wait for next week's show? Why can't I see all twelve of them now? Yeah. Yes. Now is when I have 14 hours or whatever. Yes. yes. And and the the other bellwether for me is Vin DeBona. When Vin DeBona sits back with a show that is essentially just a clip show, but it's on TV. Right. When he sits back and actually goes, I think I can wait this out. My yes. money's with Vin.
1: <laughs> right. 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 No, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I'm trying to – I remember – uh, years ago, uh, you know, uh, Michael Ovitz had left the agenting, agenting business, and but he came back and he visited with Dave after a show. So this is around, let's say, this is '96, and uh, so I come in the next day and I said, "How was how was your visit with Ovitz?" And Dave says to me, "This guy is out of his mind." He said the whole time he was here. why do shows have to be on at 9 o'clock why can't they be on at 8 51 why can't they end at 10 you know he said I just listened to it and then you know I got him a cab and he's like what an idiot everybody knows it has to start on time everybody knows it has to be exactly a half hour but that was yeah yeah when we got yeah why can't I choose? You know, you're, yeah. you're not allowed to choose Well you are now. Yeah. And so, but uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, I think we're out till October. I think we're, we're out till the fall classic.
0: <laughs> Maybe that may be the production loop. The one thing that hasn't changed throughout all of this, yeah. this amazing technological revolution in show business is the lighting guys are still carrying that weird three-legged thing. <laughs> and it takes them 20 minutes to get from
1: yeah. point A to B. That's it.
0: That's not changing.
1: <laughs> right, right. That that will – and and you don't even want to think about a time before that. You don't want to think about the t- <laughs> before that. And, and uh, you know, we were doing – we had this uh, this road thing that we were doing in '96 in the fall of '96, where every Friday, the Letterman Show, we would go to a different city. So yeah. we would um, do two shows Wednesday. We would the, the skeleton staff would go to the city on Thursday or whatever it was, and um, so it would be set up. And, and I remember the first the first show was in Boston, and we all came out. You know this, the scout and, and the crew had been setting up the whole stage area. This thing that and and, and Dave, um, there was no desk, so it was the two directors' chairs. And Dave walked out on the stage and he looked over everything, and he went up to the director's chair that was his director's chair, and and he moved it oh an inch and a half. <laughs> 12 12 more hours for the crew moved it maybe an inch and a half yeah
0: just pushed us into time and a half dave yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> i know those guys don't budge but that's the great thing about a situation like this when they're on your side in this situation you know when those guys and the teamsters and guys like that when they just drive the trucks away and you go, hey, what? Where'd all the Kling lights go? Right, then you're done.
1: And we you're were, done. we were making some, and I think we made a lot of nice progress against everything. Orion Murphy production, you know, everybody's always, you know, it's a chess game. And so okay, the Teamsters, they onto the line, which is great, which we love, which really saved us and shut down a few productions. But then there is, you know, there's that American thing with you want a truck, I can get you a truck. Oh, well, I get you I get you as many trucks as you want, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's it's it's kind of like that. So then all of a sudden, you know, you get those vans with the spray paint on them. And they still got the gear in them, right? You know, they got the Elston Howard lead donut. You yeah. know, you know, they got the right exactly because because the bottom just is riding up a little. Yeah, you got the Elston Howard lead donut around the stick shift because it's popping out.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. And they got they got the peeled labels off the side, but you can still see it says CBS 10th Avenue Studio. I mean, you know. Right, right.